Blog Talk Radio. fans and welcome to another episode of World Championship Boxing. Today we have another edition of the Greatest Performances where we are talking about Julio Cesar Chavez. And I'm joined once again by One Silva. What's up, man? Good afternoon, Logan. Good afternoon, fight fans. Yes, this time we talk about no less than the second or third greatest Mexican fighter of all time. One of the all-time great Latin fighters, one of the all-time great Mexican fighters, one of the all-time great lower division fighters, Julio Cesar Chavez, El Gran Campeón. Yeah, and definitely, like, during the Tyson era, uh, he was the other big name. Um, well, him. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. When Mike Tyson went to jail, Julio Cesar Chavez became the man. When Mike Tyson went to jail in 1992, it was Chavez's popularity among Mexican fans and boxing fans in general that kept the sport thriving until Mike Tyson came back three years later. Yes, indeed, and uh, he was definitely like the other just big name in that era that everybody he's, remembers. He's without a doubt the biggest Mexican boxing star of all time. That I will, I cannot deny. Yes, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez. Yeah, and uh, what a record! I mean, a little bit of padding there, obviously, but uh, uh, not a little bit. A lot of padding and some <laughs> very questionable decisions that went his way that I'll talk about later on. But nevertheless. A sensational his career ended with 107 wins and six losses and one of the greatest records in the history of boxing definitely now um why don't you just talk a little bit about his uh earlier career and well, then we'll get... his earlier career he, uh he won his first 43 fights uh uh 98 of them in mexico against guys you've never heard of they never got arrested uh never got picked up for 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 a uh, uh, jaywalking, uh, a lot of cab probably, drivers. Uh, many, 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 many cab drivers. Uh, <laughs> many of them still cab drivers to this day. He fought nobody of note until he fought for the WBC Super Featherweight Championship, which he won on September 13, 1984, in Los Angeles, when he knocked out the number, the then number one contender Mario Martinez, who was never that that great to begin with. So. It wasn't until the first fight we talk about on, on this series that he was actually going up against a named fighter. I mean, his first defense was against Ruben Castillo after he beat Martinez. Castillo was a tremendous contender in the early 80s, but by this time he was already washed up, uh, had no business being in the ring with Chavez. Chavez knocked him out in the sixth round. So we go right into the first of three greatest performances. July 7th, 1985, to Las Vegas, the first time he ever fought in Vegas to defend the title, his WBC Super Featherweight Championship against the number one contender, Floyd Mayweather's uncle and trainer for the majority of his career, the Black Mamba, Roger Mayweather. Yeah, now, uh, he w- where what was um, Mayweather's record around this time? Well, Mayweather had only had two losses at this time, and um, he had lost it. He was a former, he was a former WBA junior lightweight championship. He had lost that title um, less than a year earlier 
to Rocky Lockridge when Lockridge caught him with a right cross and knocked him out in the first round. Roger Mayweather was a tremendous fighter. His biggest, biggest flaw was his jaw. He had a horrendous chin. He had a, a tremendous boxer, great jab, tremendous right hand, but that chin kept him from being a Hall of Fame fighter. And even though that's being said, he was a two-time world champion when, was, when he finally retired in 1995. Yeah, I mean, he was no slouch, and uh, he definitely had some good boxing uh, ability. Oh, he was a tremendous boxer. As you can see in the first round. and He won, yeah. This first round shows you the type of fighter that would always give Chavez problems. The reason why Chavez would, would uh, Pernell Whitaker was robbed in his fight against Chavez. Um, Floyd Mayweather would have handily beaten Julio Cesar Chavez because Chavez could not deal with the fleet with boxes that could jab, move, and make you miss all night long. And Roger Mayweather had a sensational first round. And the, the first minute of the second round was doing what he wanted to do until he got caught with a spectacular right cross that the referee erroneously called a slip. He was down, but the referee called it a slip. Mayweather was, Mayweather was out on his feet, and he went down three more times, all from right crosses. Again, the referee, Richard Steele, who would be married to Julio Cesar Chavez, and we'll talk about that in this, in this program, because they were married, basically. Most of his major fights, including the fights we look at today, were refereed by Richard Steele. So, Mayweather goes down second time, a third time, they call a slip, gets up, and finally he's knocked down a, a, what I thought was a fourth time, officially a second time. Steele finally calls a halt to the bout. Chavez, his first major win and his first fight on network television on a, on a, on a Sunday afternoon on CBS. Yeah, and I mean, everybody was kind of wondering whether this guy was the real deal and he to hear uh, with this oh, fight. Oh, in this fight, he, in this fight, and I remember I was watching this fight with my father. My father's like, yeah, this guy's the goods. This guy is, this guy's going to be a great one. <laughs> uh, he certainly predicted that because uh, he now, this fight um, that he, this was a defense, what was this? What this was, was the, the second defense of the WBC Super Featherweight Championship. Okay. And I then he would defend nine straight times. I mean, he would dominate the division, defending nine straight times till moving up to fight the WBA lightweight champion, Edwin Rosario. The next fight we'll talk about, November 21st, 1987. And the biggest rivalry in boxing, in the history of boxing, has always been Mexico versus Puerto Rico. And this was no different. Um, the atmosphere was this fight should have been held in Mexico or Puerto Rico. It was held in Vegas, but this had an oh my god! This you had the be, you had the best fighter from Puerto Rico fighting the best fighter from from Mexico at the time in, in their primes, November twenty first, nineteen eighty seven. Now, when did he fight Mayweather again? On uh, will be after this. Okay, it was after this. Okay, so up until this. Um, he, you said he fought. Uh, did he fight anyone notable? Uh, yes. His two toughest fights were very close decisions that he won against the aforementioned Rocky Lockridge, the guy who knocked out Mayweather to win the title. He defended and beat Lockridge by a majority decision. Lockridge gave him hell. I thought Chavez won the fight, but Lockridge gave him hell. And then a fight that I scored a draw in Madison Square Garden against Juan Laporte. He wins a majority decision against Juan Laporte. Very tough fight, and the fans blew the decision because it was in Madison Square Garden, Laporte being Puerto Rican. Uh-huh. 
Those so they, they were looking for Rosario to get him here. Those were two tough fights, the only tough fights of his career so far, when he finally defends the title against Edwin Rosario. I mean, goes up for the WBA lightweight championship against Edwin Rosario, November 21st, 1987, in the greatest performance of his career, period. He, so this is him moving up. Yes, yes. Yeah, now he, Edwin Rosario, I mean, this the way he fought Edwin was like he just got right up in his face for the first couple rounds. Um, but then he then he kind of hung back and did some boxing, and then he went back up in his face. Uh, talk about this fight. He this was a one sided beating. I could not believe my eyes. Um, I was a huge Rosario fan, being that I'm Puerto Rican. Um, I still wasn't a Chavez believer. I mean, he was a great fighter, but I wasn't sure that he can go up and beat Rosario. I thought Rosario might have had an opportunity to catch uh, Chavez coming in. I was completely wrong. Chavez, one-sided beating. He beat the hell out of Rosario's body. Rosario's face at the end of the fight, both his eyes were almost closed shut, and his mouth, he had blood dripping out of his mouth. He t- yeah, it didn't look like he got one shot off at all. He took a ferocious beating. The punches he did land didn't mean anything because Chavez has one of the greatest chins in boxing history, and he just laughed off of Rosario's punches. He beat the hell out of Rosario. It was a vicious beating, one of the worst beatings I've ever seen. I never thought Rosario fully recuperated from that. I thought it led to led to his early death. Rosario died at 34 from a combination combination of beatings in the ring, drugs, and alcohol. He died of a brain aneurysm at the at the tender age of 34. And wow. right here was the uh, was 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 one of the main reasons because he took a hellacious beating to the. Finally, his corner told him for the left round, you're not coming out. Fight stop. Uh, the single greatest performance, in my opinion, of Julio Cesar Chavez's career. This night proved that he was an all-time great. Now, Julio Cesar Chavez is what would you what would you describe him as in terms of his style? He was he was he was a puncher. He would he would go he would he would attack. He was always in attack mode. One of the greatest body punches in the history of boxing. Great block, and he had a he had a very underrated jab, tremendous left jab that he would help set you up, and then that body attack. He's one of the five greatest body punches in the history of boxing, without a doubt. There's nobody today that's fighting that's as good a body punch as Julio Cesar Chavez. Well, yeah, apparently he had he was kind of like Rocky Marciano, and then he punched your arms and, and everything too, right? A, a more skillful version. Yeah, obviously. Rocky didn't have the skill set Chavez had. Rocky had no jab. Chavez had a very good jab, and um, Rocky was a brawler. Chavez was a was a puncher. I wouldn't consider him a brawler though. He'd only been in a few brawls in his career. He systematically beat you down. Beat but you his, down. his chin was crazy. He had one of the greatest chins in the history of boxing, without a doubt. Now his uh, his. Uh... His style, though, in fighting with this fight seemed a little different. I mean, it looked like he changed his style for different fighters. Well, you have to. You just can't use the same style for every every fight unless you're a Muhammad Ali. Uh, we'll talk about him later on. Um, even even the great Sugar Ray Leonard had to change his style from time to time. Chavez would change his style. The majority of his career, he was a he, he, he came forward. He was in attack mode. But like you saw in this fight against Rosario. Sometimes he would step back and become a counterpuncher, and he could be a tremendous counterpuncher, as shown in this fight. 
So when did he fight um, Tet Taylor? Okay, we'll get to that. He would go on to uh, dominate the lightweight division, and then finally he would move up in March of 1990, the fight of the year, a fight we covered on the greatest performances in boxing history, March 17th, 1990. Once again, Richard Steele refereeing the fight. Um, Taylor, this was a this was a great performance by Taylor up until late in the fight. The last five rounds was a brawl. They were going toe to toe. Chavez was what was way behind on all three scorecards when he scored a questionable knockout with two seconds left in the fight. I know. I, I watched that fight actually for this because uh, I was you know I was just looking on YouTube and I saw that fight there and I and I know Melvin Taylor was no slouch so I wanted and he and was once losing. Again, he, he was Taylor losing was, right. Taylor was never the same after that fight. And Taylor, Taylor today, uh, Taylor today suffers from severe, severe uh, pugilistic dementia. Hmm. But but he was winning that fight, was he not, Taylor? He was well ahead on all three scorecards. Chavez needed a knockout. And what what did Chavez encounter there that he that that had until but that said, losing? Chavez's Chavez's biggest problem was a fighter with speed, hand speed and foot speed. Taylor possessed all that. Taylor's, Taylor had all the ability in the world. Taylor had all the fame ability. Meltrick Taylor's biggest flaw was he was a Philly fighter, and sometimes he would get into unnecessary brawl, which he got into this fight with, with Chavez. Chavez had to keep going, and Chavez's chin was what kept him from getting knocked out because Taylor hit him with every book in this fight. Yeah, he didn't even look like he had any bruising on his head, on his face. Um, he, he seemed, he, his face. Nothing about Chavez. He, he had a sturdy face. He, he would rarely be marked in, 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 in um, his career. Yeah, so in that fight, um, he, he, you think that uh, Steele gave him a gift there, right? There was two seconds left in the fight. Steele knew this. Steele's counting. Then Steele asked Taylor where he's at, and on Taylor. Now, Taylor didn't respond. I tell Taylor that. But I don't think a referee should stop a fight with two seconds left. All he had to do was go continue. The bell would have rung. Right. I mean, he didn't have time to knock him down again. So. No, he, would have, he didn't have time to throw another punch. But, you know, sometimes it's like that with guys with, like, undefeated records. Like, it's weird. Like, there's this just – there's this inclination of the officials that they don't want to fuck that up. <laughs> well, at the time, both fighters were undefeated. And this was a, and I give a credit to HBO. This could have easily been a pay-per-view fight. No, they put this on HBO television and did record ratings. And um, and why didn't they fight again? Said again? How come they didn't fight again? They did fight again. They had no business fighting again. They did fight again. They they fought four and a half years later, and which was sad because this guy was already punch drunk, and Don King threw him in to take a beating. Oh, what was the result of that? Chavez knocked him out in the eighth round. Wow, wow. So they were both a little over the hill at that point. Huh? Well, yeah, and in that re- – it wasn't really a one-sided beating. Let me let me correct that. The first six rounds, Taylor – I gave Taylor because Chavez just stood there and was throwing wild shots while Taylor danced and moved. And this was a shot, Taylor. And, th- and this told me at the time that Chavez was shot as well. Hmm. Okay, so let's go back here. Uh, he, he wins this fight. Um, so he wins the junior welterweight championship from Meldrick Taylor. Actually, they unified the titles. They unified the WBC and the IBF junior welterweight championship. Those titles are unified. 
He gives up the championship because he's loyal to Jose Suleiman, and Suleiman at that time, WBC champions, the just beat WBC champions. And then after a few more defenses, he would defend the title in the final fight we're talking about tonight, September 12th, 1992, against the very brash, the very controversial, and at that point, the very overrated Hector Macho Camacho. Yeah, I mean, was was Camacho ever good? Yeah, well, he just got inducted. He he his family's there today for him to get inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. And at one point, he was great. From 1982 to 1987, he was a great, great, great fighter. But then he became a runner. And in this fight, all he did was run, hold, and take a severe beating. So he was he he had a, a period where you would say that he was from great. 1982 to 1987 he's one of the top five fighters in the planet. But I mean, who did, whenever it looks like he seems like whenever he went up against somebody um, a big name would lose. Oh, we we touched on that in the greatest fight series. His fight in June of 1986, a fight that I attended in Madison Square Garden. He fought a war against Edward Rosario, the aforementioned Edward Rosario. Rosario hurt Camacho for the first time. And that fight, uh, Camacho won by split decision. And after that fight, Camacho never again wanted to engage. From that mm. point on, he became a runner. So you think he took a beating or something or he got shot? It was his fight against Rosario, June of 1986. He never wanted to be in that situation again, which, I mean, it was weird because that fight showed the entire world that not only could he take a punch, but he had tremendous heart. But he no longer wanted to engage in those type fights. Mm. When he fought, and when he fought Chavez in this fight, he ran. He ran. Oh, God, he ran. He ran. He ran. He ran. And he took a severe beating because he didn't Chavez, win one. He didn't win one round, right? The best round he had was in the tenth round, which was a total in which Chavez had him in the corner and just ripped, ripped into him. Camacho had no choice but to defend himself. But even that round, he didn't win. A 12-round shutout, a complete beating. Um, he was holding the whole time, too. Yeah, he, he, if, if they would have fought back in 1984, Camacho beats him. That's how good Camacho was back then. But in, from 87 to the rest of his career, if they fight 100 times, Chavez beats, him, beats the hell out of him 100 times. But why was there such bad blood between them? Once again, Puerto Rico versus oh. Mexico. Oh, okay. Because he really wanted to kill this guy. Uh, I, he wanted like... to kill Rosario, and he wanted to kill Camacho because they both made fun of Chavez. They both called him a pussy the whole nine. They questioned his manhood. So, you know, Chavez took it out in half. Uh, rumor has it that after the fight was over, they became friends to the point where they would go snort coke together. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know uh, Chavez was a coke guy. Uh, yeah, he, did... he had a – what he said in his biography – not a biography, but an interview he had many years ago. He said that the night he beat Rosario was his introduction to cocaine. The the, the fight we talked about back in '87. Uh, he was like celebrating so much and then. There was always rumors, always rumors. Um, I could uh, never verify, but there's always rumors that Don King would keep fighters like Camacho, Chavez, and Tyson in line by giving them uh, a couple of kilos of cocaine. Uh, that'll work. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know Mike Tyson was doing coke yes, too, man. Yes, yes, yes. 
Mike wow. was, Mike's been to rehab in the whole night. Mike's been to rehab several times. He talks about it in his in his one man stand up directed by Spike Lee that was televised on HBO. He talked about his uh, his bouts with cocaine. Yeah. Wow. Now, um, uh, this okay. So this fight here, he goes on. Um, he he wins this fight. Um, in the following year, September tenth, nineteen ninety three, he fights Pernell Whitaker in a fight where Whitaker won ten rounds, and they give him they give him a draw. They give him a gift draw. Horrible decision. And Chavez wouldn't give Whitaker a rematch because he knew the same shit would happen. But in his next fight, January nineteen ninety four, he finally loses the title. He finally loses his first fight, and the uh, WBC Super Lightweight Championship to Frankie Randall. They have an immediate, they have an immediate rematch in May, in May of that year, and another robbery occurs. During the middle of the fight, Randall and Chavez collide heads. The referee deducts two points for Randall, and then after the seventh round, Chavez says, "Oh, I can't see, I can't see." They go to the score scorecards. Those two points result. Being deducted was on Chavez's. Chavez regaining the title and not giving Randall an immediate rematch, even though Randall gave him an immediate rematch. Towards the end of Chavez's career, he became a bitch. He would only fight uh, handmade opponents, and if you beat him or gave him hell, he wouldn't give you a rematch. But did he, he fight? Didn't he fight um, De La Hoya? Uh, June of nineteen ninety six. Uh, this was a huge money fight. And he took a savage beating. Was he did. Chopped up. After the fourth round, uh, he looked like somebody taking a knife to his forehead. Yeah, he had no business in there with De La Hoya, my God. And the second time they fought, De La Hoya gave him a savage beating in which Chavez quit in his corner after the eighth round. I can't believe they fought again. Oh, that was easy money for... I guess so. <laughs> so, so uh, I mean, and... Um, I mean, he had no business fighting even anyone at that point, right? I mean, he was done, he, wasn't he? And he received out the bulk of his losses were at the end of his career. He got and he was stopped at all of them. He got stopped twice by De La Hoya, and he got he got a title shot against Costa Zoo way past his. The Zoo gave him a horrific beating. Maybe one of the reasons why he had to keep starting coke. <laughs> oh my God. So now he's uh, so so he um, finally that was his last fight. What was the no, last fight? No, his last fight was in 2005, I believe. He got knocked out by a journeyman bum named Grover Wiley. Let me make sure I got the right year. I said 2005. I don't want to be inaccurate, but nevertheless, that was the end of his career. And then he went on to guide his son and follow a formula where his son would fight nobody, and the only two guys his son ever fought beat the shit out of him. Yeah, the the greatest performances of Julio Chavez, Cesar Chavez Jr. Huh? We're never gonna do that one. <laughs> oh, I was right. September seventeenth, two thousand and five, was his final fight. He got knocked out in the fourth round by a Grover Riley, and a Grover Riley would go on to lose to his son Jr. Grover Riley was a bum. The fact that he beat Chavez just shows you that Chavez had no business being licensed. Well, that was uh, his son revenged that, but uh, <laughs> not much more notable there with him. But uh, is he still fighting his son? His his son has signed the fight in July against an up and coming super middleweight named Jay Leon Love. 
Uh, Leon Love is a, this is a nice little boxer, but I think Chavez Jr. has a chance to win this fight because Love has a questionable chin being knocked out in the first round last year by a, by a bum. Yeah, and his fight with uh, Martinez, uh, he kind of he, – he did knock him down in that last round. I mean – After Martinez's knee had given out and after he had taken 11 rounds of a brutal beating. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he lost every round of that fight, but uh, – Except for the last one, but uh, but still, uh, yeah, it's just uh, definitely not measuring up to the father there. But you know, I mean, the father should have got out, right? I mean, I I I I'm going to quote the great Richard Williams, the father of Venus and Serena Williams. Richard Williams said that in individual sports such as boxing and tennis, you have to be hungry. You have to come from the poorest sections of the world. Julio Cesar Chavez was dirt poor growing up. His son lived in a mansion, had maids and butlers. How the fuck is he going to be hungry? Yeah, good point. I mean, so, so so he ended up retiring with a lot of money, at least. He didn't have to. No, he blew up. Oh, Chavez, while Chavez had mansions and cars and everything, he should have had a lot more money. He was ripped off by Don King, what else? And he blew a lot of his money on extramatural affairs, a, divorce, a very expensive divorce with, with Junior's uh, mother, and the cocaine habit. Yeah, that'll drain your bank account fast. Yes. yes. Now, his... But, uh, but, uh, 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 he's sober at the moment, and he he does commentary for several different um, networks, including uh, ESPN Deportes. But always in Spanish, right? He's not speaking English. No, speech. no, his, he never learned to speak English. Now, uh, everyone talks about Don King ripping people off. I mean, wh- what would he do that rip- – how would he rip these people off all the time? He Just would, by not paying them? Well, no, no, not, not, not that, not that blatant. In order for you to get a shot at a title, you're a hungry guy. Let's say you're a 21-0, and 0, 18 knockouts, uh, you've never made any money. Don King's the number one promoter of the world, and, he, and you want a shot at a title. So he comes to you and says, all right, all right, Logan, I'll give you a shot at XYZ fighter. But I have to have your next fight fights. Sign this contract. You win the fight. Win or lose, you're in the contract to me for the next five fights. Once you sign that contract, he can pay you whatever. Oh, I see. Even he takes most of the purse. Is that the idea? That that that's it. look. And when Mike Tyson went to jail, Don King's wife had uh, Mike Tyson's power of attorney. So and so when Mike came out of jail, the money was gone. Holy shit. That's why he punched out Don King. Hey, he, he beat the shit out of Don King, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Don King, man, he's still around, this motherfucker. He's uh, endorsed Trump, so he's still an asshole. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, all right, well, uh, I guess we can uh, wrap it up here with Julio C. Is there, now, uh, any other fights you want to point to that we haven't talked about that maybe we should? Somebody should take a look at for his regard to his career. Yeah, check check out his loss. His well, it was a draw, but he lost that fight. So Pernell Whitaker, check out that fight. Pernell Whitaker gave a masterful boxing performance that night. That that's one fight I definitely want people uh, to check out. Check out his fifth round destruction of Greg Haugen, which set the record and it's going to hold for many many years. The record for combat sports paid attendance. In Mexico, Azteca Stadium, 130,000 people came to see Chavez fight that night. 130,000 people. Wow. What's his biggest um, 
his biggest fight, though, in terms of marquee, was was against called De La Hoya. It had to have been against De La Hoya. Yeah. But the fights against the fight against Whitaker was 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 huge as far as pay per view goes. And but the De La Hoya, for some reason, Bob Arum did not refuse to put that fight on pay per view. He put it on closed circuit, and they left several million dollars behind because you had the number one Mexican American fighter against the number one Mexican fighter. That that would have done huge buys on pay per view, but he decided to put it on closed circuit only. Yeah. Now that fight with um, Camacho that was pay per view, right? Pay-per-view, yes, yes. And that did, uh, that must have done that, pretty damn well. That did great numbers as well. Yes. So yeah, he was a good box office guy. Um, oh, he he was the number one attraction in boxing in between Mike when Mike Tyson was in exile from ninety two to ninety five. Wow. He was what? the first Hispanic worldwide boxing superstar when it came to pay-per-view. Now, he wasn't the first Latin superstar. The first Latin superstar was Bernard Durant, but Durant came before pay-per-view. Yeah, so how how, how would uh, Durant have done against this guy? Durant would have knocked out Chavez. Really? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so uh, this is, yeah, okay, so this is the greatest performances of uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, and thanks again uh, for listening, everybody. Um, you Next, uh, next, next week, you, we're going to do a real, we're going to do a look at a movie. My idol died uh, last week. Uh, I didn't feel up to doing any shows last week, so when Logan said he was busy, I said, oh, fuck it, let's do the shows this week. This, uh, this There's only been three deaths outside my family that have affected me tremendously. And uh, Ali and Tupac were the two biggest. So when Ali died last last Friday, I, I was trying to write a comment, uh, 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 an article on what he meant to me, and I still haven't been able to pen the paper for Geekdom, to the Geekdom site. I, I still haven't put it together. But our boy Dave Meltzer wrote a spectacular bio on Muhammad Ali, and everybody knows that I'm a boxing historian. Nothing was inaccurate about that article. Uh, something minor. I'm not even going to talk about it. It was minute, but everything that he wrote was on the money. It was a sensational tribute to the most famous person in the history of the world outside of Jesus Christ. There's only two men that share the title on top of the mountain when it comes to worldwide popularity. You go to Africa and talk to the monkeys, they know who Muhammad Ali and Michael Jackson were. Yeah, yeah, they definitely Big time names. Big, probably the most famous person in the world. Ali, uh, Muhammad Ali, and Michael Jackson, and um, to share their presence. Yeah, I mean, um, what, what I'll do is, I mean, because I think we did a retrospective on yeah, Muhammad. Ali. I, and, and I posted them on Twitter. I don't want, I don't want to go back because those two, those two shows chronicle his career extensively and accurately. And I posted that on Twitter. So people could go to on my Twitter feed at Robert Silva S I L V A five seven six eight and check that out. Or go to the archives. The yeah, archives. I'm actually going to replay it uh, in, a, in tomorrow. Good, and Logan going to replay it on on, on 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 the on the archives. But next week we're going to review the Oscar-winning documentary of the Rumble in the Jungle when we were kings. Oh, that'll, great! That'll be our tribute to Ali reviewing that fight. When we, um, I mean, that movie, When We Were Kings, basically a combination of the two shows coming together, Logan Movie Reviews and World Championship Boxing. 
All right, that sounds great. Uh, we'll be looking at that movie, and we'll put it on both sites. So Yeah, When uh, We Were Kings. So that's what we'll be looking at next week, as well as we'll be doing a wrestling show next week, the three greatest performances, the three greatest matches, basically, between Ric Flair and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. All right. Okay, man. Well, thanks again. And, yeah, check us out on geekdom101.com. And uh, one silver, hopefully. Are you going to do an article on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get it. It'll be done by the time we broadcast it next time. By the time we do we, When We Were Kings, I will have choked up and written it. I mean, I'm writing it from a, for, for, for those that want to look out for it. It's going to be what he meant to, my, to me and my father. Perfect. All right, man. We'll look forward to that on geekdom101.com. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and if you do uh, subscribe to the Observer, uh, like you said, there's a great. Uh, oh, and I want to I want to recommend a couple other things besides Dave's article, which is off the charts. Um, when you guys get a chance, search for the for the documentary "I Am Ali," the single greatest documentary other than we when we were kings, done by Muhammad Ali, chronicling his fight, his fight to overturn his unjust conviction in 1967 that robbed him three and a half years of his prime because he was 25 when um, he was convicted wrongfully of being a of not being a conscientious objector for his refusal to serve in the Vietnam War. And um, last week, the fight of the year occurred, Francisco Vargas versus Orlando Salido. Check that out. Not only to watch the fight, but to see the... I mean, Jim Lampley gave the greatest, the greatest tribute to Muhammad Ali when he talked about his feelings for Ali and was great because right before he broke down and cried, the cameras cut. You got to see that. I mean, it was ju- ju- okay. justice. I mean, it was sensational. Also, Roy Jones talked about the time he stepped in the ring to spar with Ali and how Ali shut down his jab at a time when Roy Jones was putting everybody to sleep. Sensational, sensational thing, sensational stuff. And as far as podcasts go, Dave Zirin, his name is spelled Z-I-R-I-N, the Edge of Sports podcast, this week did a five-part series on the political ramifications of Muhammad Ali's career. Tremendous podcast. Chuck D was on one of them. I would highly recommend that. So those are the things to look out for. Dave Meltzer, Dave Zirin's podcast, and the documentary I Am Ali, as well as Jim Lampley's tribute to Muhammad Ali at last week's uh, HBO fight. That fight, that that could be found on HBO On Demand as well as the internet, as well as HBO On The Go. Cool, man. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll be back next week talking to the uh, When We Were Kings. All right. Peace, man. Have a good weekend. Thank you.